I, I think the biggest myth in our profession is, you know, from an outsider perspective, uh, it's very confusing as far as who does who does what. And what I mean by that is there are a lot of people that call themselves financial advisors or financial planners. And the reality is they're not all the same and they're not all treated equal. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, first you have folks that call themselves financial advisors or financial planners that are really insurance salesmen. They sell insurance, which is fine. There's nothing wrong. Everybody needs and, and should have a, a quality insurance policy, but you know, they're not really doing financial planning. They're really just filling a need, selling a product. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Expert. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups within small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast. Uh, Larry Sprung. And uh, Larry, we're going to be talking a little bit about the ever-dreaded finances and financial planning. No, it's not dreaded at all. And it's an important part of a business and one that usually everybody wants to avoid. But I think we'll get some great expertise and great tips on that. But we're going to be talking a little bit about why you should be financial or doing financially or financial planning with your business, um, how it's not all just about the money or or, and, uh, or just the budgets. Um, and then also uh, talk maybe a little bit about uh, how you uh, find that uh, balance in life so that you're investing in the future in life as well as uh, on the, the business and the financial side and uh, and also talk a little bit about uh, using a, a side hustle to, to, to reach your goals in the future. So it should be a lot of great points and discussion. And without much as an introduction, welcome on the podcast, Larry. Hey, thanks, Devin. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So so before we dive in, and just as a quick reminder of the audience, so Larry was on um, our sister podcast, The Inventive Journey. Um, so if you haven't checked that out, definitely encourage you to go do or go do so. Um, but for those that haven't had a chance to check it out or just want a, a quick introduction to you, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks again, Devin. Yeah. Uh, my name is Larry Sprung. And uh, just to give you a little bit about me, I am a husband to my wife, Denise, of 23 years. I'm a dad to uh, Zach and Jeremy, who were 20 and 17. And uh, I am a family first guy. And, you know, in my free time, you'll either find me with my family and or, uh, you know, watching or playing hockey. That's uh, a family passion of ours. I played, my two boys play, and uh, it's something that uh, my family and I enjoy thoroughly. And I happen to be, uh, as you mentioned, in the wealth management profession. So we work with uh, individuals and business owners to uh, help them find their freedom, whatever that means uh, to them. No, sounds like a great place to be, and, and certainly uh, a, a fun, uh, fun business to be in. So now, one thing, maybe just to dive into some of the the topics at hand, because I think when people think generally of financial planning, and maybe you can tell me if it's right or wrong. I have my ideas to whether it's right or wrong. <laughs> Um, but they uh, they tend to think of, hey, it's basically I need to set a budget and then stick to it. And then I'll put so much money aside and that'll be the end of it. And so maybe I'll have a meeting, one, you know, a, a time once a month where I go through the budget, see how we're doing it, whether it's on the business or on the personal side. And if I'm really or if I'm more sophisticated, maybe I'll have some investments that I put it in like a mutual fund or something of that. And this kind of seems like the general way. And so when you're talking about financial planning, is that 
what it is and is that what people should be thinking about it or or help us understand kind of what it is or, or how people should uh, approach it sure uh you know listen that what you described is certainly one or maybe even a couple of components of what goes into financial planning but it's really a you know much more complicated and intricate intricate um you know uh, proposition than just that uh, what I would say is the easiest way to kind of learn what it means from a holistic standpoint, I, I kind of go through that or I do go through that in my book, Financial Planning Made Personal, which it is very personal, financial mm -hmm. planning. You know, whether you're doing it on the business side or you're doing it on the individual side, you know, even if you're in a similar business to other business owners, you can have very different goals and objectives for your practice or for your business. So, you know, how you're going to plan for that is extremely personal. So one component of that is budgeting, as you mentioned. One component of that is the investment component. Another component of that is, you know, having goals and actually having a, you know, realistic plan in place to reach those goals. Another part of that is preparing yourself both uh, socially and mentally for what your future is going to look like and having a why. So there are a number of different factors that go into the planning. Uh, I think all those things you listed are certainly components of it, but I think there's much more to it and a lot more uh, to it to, you know, really, truly call it financial planning. No, I think that uh, that makes sense. So now one question I'll, I'll kind of uh, ju or, or jump onto and you kind of mentioned it a bit is, you know, maybe a curiosity question for me, which is it seems like, you know, I would, or there'd be people that'd be hesitant to do a financial plan because you don't want to know what you don't want to know, right? So in other words, hey, I want to retire when I'm 65. And then you look at it and there's no way I'm going to retire, at least not how I want to retire when I'm 65. And ignorance is bliss and I'll just kind of keep pushing it off. And so how do you kind of address or not making people so down on the, you know, their fight or their future of, you know, hey, you just, you don't have the budget. You're not able to do that. You're not able to set yourself up, but also kind of get that realistic expectation as to what you should be looking to, at doing. Yeah. So I, I think that brings up a great point and it is sometimes overwhelming the whole process of going through planning and putting a plan together. Right. So, hmm. you, you know, the first thing that I would say is the earlier you start doing that, the better, because, you know, the earlier you start looking at that, the earlier you start putting a plan in place, even if there is a large gap from where you are to where you want to be, you mm. have more time and the availability to pull more levers over that period of time in order to get you back on track or closer to those goals, right? If you're starting to look at the planning process one year, five years away, seven years away from retirement or from what your vision of retirement is, uh, there's a lot less time that you have to make those adjustments and a lot less levers to pull in order to get there. So the, the key is to start early and be able to do that. I'll, I'll share with you a quick story that I had in, uh, I had this story in my book, Financial Planning Made Personal. And, and this is a true story. I literally got a call on a Tuesday from a gentleman who was uh, telling me he was thinking about retiring and he wanted to come in and make sure that he was in a good position to retire and he was financially secure enough. And he mm -hmm. asked me if he could come in like Thursday or Friday of that week. And I said, you know, unfortunately I'm booked up. My first available is Tuesday the following week. I'd be happy to see you at whatever time. And he said, no, no, you got to understand. I got to come in much sooner than that. I'm retiring on Friday. Mm -hmm. I said, retiring on Friday. I said, 
well, you know what? You're putting me in, a, in an awkward position because I'm in a lose-lose, right? If mm. I tell you, first of all, it's malpractice for me to even tell you over the phone whether you're on path or not on path without having all the information. I go, mm. secondly, you know, if you come in on Friday and we review your situation and, you know, with the information provided, if I tell you that you're in a good position, but we, you know, you left out information because we're doing it in a rush, you know, that's problematic. And, you know, this is something you should have done 10 years ago. And I, I basically told the gentleman, I appreciate your interest in working with us, but I just don't think this is a good fit. So the mm. earlier you start, the better is, is the point. And you have more options at your disposal. No, I think that certainly makes sense. And, you know, that's, in a, you know, in the legal sense, it's kind of like, hey, I should have got a trademark, but now I've got a cease and desist letter from somebody else. And now what do I do? Well, you should have gone back and done it right the first time. But, you know, it, it's one where, you know, you have to deal with the different circumstances. But let's say you do take someone that earlier on, you know, they're hitting their mid thirties and they're saying, okay, I should probably get more serious. You know, I'm getting farther into my career and I want to, I want to set myself up or I want to start looking towards a future. Um, you know, kind of what are those initial first steps when you're looking at kind of getting into the financial planning or people trying to approach it and kind of figuring out money and investing and setting themselves up to enjoy life, you know, throughout the time. So they're not working a hundred hours for the next 30 years. And kind of how do you, do you balance that or any thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean, we talk about a couple of things here. Number one is, and then, you know, really is the first chapter of the book is find your why, find out, you know, why you want to do what you want to do or why you're, you're looking to save these monies. Because once you have that why behind you, it makes it easier for you to understand why you're actually sacrificing perhaps today for something in the future, right? And, you know, it also puts you in a position where you're actually thinking about what the result may be, which hopefully will be, a, you know, we talk about what did you do? This is the subtitle. What did you do today that brought you joy? And thinking about the joyful event that's attached to that, whether that be retirement or, you know, saving for a college education and thinking about, your child walking across the stage and receiving their diploma. Once you have that why, it makes it easier for you to understand why you are doing what you're doing. But it's important to start that planning, start that why, you know, pay yourself first, which is another key component. You know, a lot of folks are, are not, uh, you know, they're, they're have their income coming in, they're, you know, taking care of their expenses, and then whatever's left over is left for savings. Well, instead of doing that, Pay yourself first, figure out a percentage. I think in the richest man in Babylon, they talk a lot about the 10% rule, take 10%, pay yourself first, and then use the remainder to pay those expenses and whatnot. And start early, you know, with compound interest, that is extremely helpful for you. The, the thing that people are gonna realize is by having this plan and going through the process with an advisor and having a plan in place, it's going to be very freeing because now you're going to know exactly whether you're on track or off track. And even if you're off track in your early 30s, there's enough time and runway for you to make corrections to make sure you get on track and you'll know what levers are good for you to pull in order to get yourself back on track. No, I think that uh, that certainly makes sense. Now, let me ask, you know, what is, help us understand because, you know, I could generally see a couple wise. Generally, it's I want to retire and have lots of money and I don't want to have to work until I die. So is there is there is it I would assume, but help maybe us fill in a little bit when you're looking at your why, is it that simple and everybody has the same why or kind of how do people figure out what their why is or, you know, what that what that motivation is? 
Yeah, I mean, whys can be very different uh, from person to person, and whys can and will morph and change. Though there's an iterative process. What you believe is your why today may not be your why in five years or 10 years, and it may be situational, it may be some life experience that took place, or it may just be a little bit of a change in values over time. So it, it does change, you know, it changes over time. And, you know, I talk a lot about, you know, I think this construct around retirement has come somewhat antiquated. I, I don't really believe in it. I don't think, you know, whoever thought up this great idea, and I know it was at a different time, uh, different life expectancies, but this whole idea that you go work for 20, 30, 40 years, and then all of a sudden you get to slow down or stop and enjoy life, I, I think that's crazy. I think really what we should be doing is figuring out a way to have work-life harmony. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't say work-life balance on purpose because I think that that gives the, uh, it insinuates that something has to be given up in order to have more of something else. I think that work-life uh, should be harmonious. They should go together. Um, and you know, it, when you think about it in that framework, you don't have to think about it in terms of retirement and, and completely stopping to work. Because if you're enjoying what you're doing and you're getting, you know, uh, fulfillment out of it, you can work forever. Maybe you don't work as much. Maybe you slow down. So, you know, to answer your question, that why can be very different for everybody and it can change over time. But it's important to understand what that why is, at least today, so that the framework that the plan is based upon is based upon something more than just some, you know, aspirational, I want to retire someday and have a lot of money. Well, what does that mean? What does retirement look like for you? What does a lot of money mean to you, right? To somebody, depending on where they live, $50,000 a year in income if they stop work, uh, working may be perfectly fine for them. In other areas of the country and lifestyles, they may need $200,000. So that sum of money is going to be, you know, very different about what that means. So it's, it's important to start, you know, pinpointing what that why is and quantifying some of these values so that they can be worked towards and achieved. Hmm. No, that, that makes uh, perfect sense. Now, maybe just shifting gears a little bit, but I think kind of following along with that. And one of the things I think we talked a little bit about is, you know, starting a side hustle. And sometimes that's a good way to, to help you move towards your goals and maybe also find some of that enjoyment. So kind of any thoughts or initial ideas on side hustles? Is it going to be a good thing? Is it a waste of money? Do you drain a lot of income? Do you can it uh, set you up uh, better for the future? Kind of or give us a little bit of your thoughts on that. Yeah, so I mean, side hustles are a good tool, a good arrow in your quiver. I think it depends on your your you know your facts and circumstances as as an example, right? If you're an entrepreneur, which I know you know you you are, I am, and you know if you're trying to start or run a business, you know a side hustle to me in those in those cases is a little bit of a distraction, right? It it probably will you know take away from your ability to be successful in your business if. If you're in a situation where you're an employee, um, you know, and you have a certain set income and, you know, you're looking to create a side hustle while you're either working or if you're looking to create a side hustle that you can continue in retirement, you know, it's great. You can find something that you love, do it in that spare time and maybe add extra income. But the important thing is to make sure that it's not a distraction to what you're currently doing because you don't want to use the side hustle as a as a 
as a tool that's going to distract you from what you're doing. But if you can pull that off successfully, it will allow you to create another income stream that, again, you can utilize maybe when you slow down your, your main career or in retirement, give you some you know, meaningful and fulfilling work. And in the meantime, give you some extra capital that you might be able to put towards retirement, kids' education, or some of those goals that you might be a little bit uh, behind on uh, you know, putting monies away for. No, make or makes uh, sense. Now, how do you, you know, is there a time that you should be considering doing a side hustle or not? In other words, I could see people as they get further into their career, they're worried, hey, if I do a side hustle or if I go and invest, you know, part of my savings into this unknown business, I might, you know, I might mess up my retirement or I might not have enough. So if you if you're getting towards the end of retirement, should you not think about it? Or is it something that, you know, can set you up so that you have a, a continued income stream as you move towards retirement or no right answer or everything yeah, and all no, the above or uh, any thoughts? I, I think Devin, like, like anything else, if you're going to go in that direction, I think it's important to plan for it, right? If this is something and a goal that you want to do and you know it, then set it up as a goal and start uh, putting money aside to fund that opportunity, right? Get an idea of what it's going to cost for you to launch that. Um, and, you know, try to, pick something, hopefully, maybe or align with something that has a low barrier to entry that's not going to uh, be a cash intensive type, uh, you know, business at the outset and, and give it a whirl in a uh, meaningful way that'll let you see if this is something you want to do before you sink in the money. But I think, you know, to, to your point, I think like anything else, as long as you plan for it, and you have a plan and an amount of money that you're going to, dic you know, allocate to it, and that's what's what you're going to utilize to get off the ground. That's fine. You know, make sure in your example, like as you're getting closer to retirement, it's going to be important to make sure that you, you know, if you're striving for retirement, that you have enough money saved for that, uh, irrespective of this money that you may be looking to set up a uh, an additional business. So as long as you're prepared for that phase of your life, and there's extra monies for you to put away towards that other goal of starting this business then that's, that's fine. And it doesn't matter what stage of life, as long as you plan for it appropriately. Hmm. No, I think that, uh, that makes sense. Now, one of the other things that uh, we talked about as well is, you know, part of uh, planning maybe for retirement is you also need to kind of uh, prepare on the, the social and the mental aspect as well. So give us a little bit of an insight. Is it really just, you know, is retirement just, Hey, I'm going to, as long as I have the money aside and I'm ready, you know, I can uh, sustain my lifestyle. That's all I need to worry about. Or how do you go about preparing on the, the social and the mental side as well? Yeah. I mean, I think it's as important that when you start preparing for the financial aspects, again, if you're striving for, you know, this, this period of retirement, you know, it's important that as soon as you start planning for the financial aspects of it, to make sure you're financially prepared, you also have to start preparing yourself mentally and socially. And I, I think to some degree right now, you know, there's this impression that people are working longer uh, and later in life because they need the money, they need the income. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I don't want to minimize there are certainly folks out there that need to work much later in life because they need the income stream. That That's absolutely true. But there are far, you know, far great number of people that are also continuing to work because they don't want to lose that identity. They they don't want to lose that camaraderie. They don't want to lose that ability to go into the office and that, you know, mental stimulation. So it's mm. important that if you want to go down that route, that 
you know, when you start preparing financially, that you're also preparing yourself mentally and socially. And what does that mean? Make sure you're starting to plug into social circles that are outside of work, right? Because again, if you're in, a, in an office 30, 40, 50 hours a week, you know, those are the people you're spending the most time with when you retire or leave that company, you're not going to have those folks around most likely. So you're going to need to have other social circles. So find those hobbies, those things you enjoy, connect in mm. with those circles, whether it be golf, fishing, uh, you know, uh, volunteering at your, your place of worship or charitable, uh, you know, uh, endeavors or pickleball even, you know, tap into those, start building up uh, a community there so that when and if you do either slow down or retire fully, you have an instant place to start doing some things on a regular basis, fill that 20, 30, 40, 50 hours a week with meaningful stuff and not find yourself sitting in front of the TV for long periods of time, which is not going to be very stimulating or motivating uh, for you or your life. Hmm. No, I think that's uh, some uh, great insight and uh, great takeaways. Now, one of the things I always like to, I'd say, I don't know, focus on, but learn from, we'll say learn from, because that sounds better, um, is, you know, some of the mis er, mistakes that we make. And, you know, we always go through our life trying to avoid making as many mistakes as we can and try and minimize those and don't disagree, don't go out and intentionally try and make mistakes. But if when you make the mistakes, it's always good to learn from them. So as, as people are kind of looking at financial planning, they're looking at, whether it's retirement, whether it's investing, whether it's setting themselves up, whether it's getting that right balance and all those things, what are some of kind of the the common mistakes that they they tend to make? Yeah, so I mean, one of the one of the biggest mistakes that we see or challenges, I should say, is people don't start early. They don't start early enough, and they don't realize or understand the benefits of starting early and compound interest. You know, how many times do you see somebody who's just you know, maybe graduated college or come out into the trades and now they're working and, you know, you talk to them or they're supposed to set up a 401k or a retirement account and they don't, they say, you know what, I'm going to mm -hmm. wait and do that later when I'm earning more money. And the, the issue there becomes number one is they're losing the time value or the benefit of compounding on that money by starting today. Number two, this perception that they have that, they're gonna do this when they make more money. The reality is that at that period of time, they're probably gonna have a lot more responsibility and a lot more financial responsibility, right? Think about it, you know, you come out of school, you start your first job, you know, then maybe you buy a property or a home, you have a mortgage, more responsibility perhaps, maybe you find a significant other, have children, et cetera. So now you have, even though you're earning more money, you have more pulls at those same resources. Why not start earlier in your 20s, start putting as much money as you possibly can away while you don't have those financial obligations. And hmm. you know there, there's proven calculations that if you put in money between 25 and 45, you could put away significantly less over that 20 year period than if you were to first start at 45, you'd end up way ahead of the game because you're getting an extra 20 years of growth out of those funds. So that's a big mistake that we see that people think that they shouldn't start early, start early. You know, even if you don't think you can afford it, put it away, learn to live on a lesser amount early on. You're just going to put yourself in a much better financial position going forward. Mm, no, I think that uh, is a, uh, or some great uh, piece of advice. And I think, you know, as with, 
many things in life uh, rather than pushing it off even if that seems easier at the time it's better to to have a plan get that in place and uh, know what uh, your strategy is going forward so well now as as we're already uh, feels like we just got started with the conversation we're already re- reaching towards the end of the uh, episode i always like to ask uh, one question at the end so we'll jump to that now so the or the question i'd like to ask is within your industry what is the biggest myth and why is it wrong yeah, that's a uh, that's a great question, and uh, I, I think the biggest myth in our profession is, you know, from an outsider perspective, uh, it's very confusing as far as who does who does what. And what I mean by that is, there are a lot of people that call themselves financial advisors or financial planners, and the reality is they're not all the same, and they're not all treated equal. And what do I mean by that? Well, you know, first you have folks that call themselves financial advisors or financial planners that are really insurance salesmen. They sell insurance, which is fine. There's nothing wrong. Everybody needs and, and should have a, a quality insurance policy, but you know they're not really doing financial planning. They're really just filling a need, selling a product, um, which gets confusing, right? Then, you know, and then you have other advisors who are on the opposite side that they may work for a large financial institution where they're predominantly investment driven. And, you know, that's really what they're interested in handling the investments. They're not necessarily doing planning. They're not uh, looking at your insurance and that gets confusing. And then there are other advisors that work in the profession like us, where we're more, we're independent, we're holistic. We Mm -hmm. actually put together a financial plan. We help you manage the assets. We'll bring in insurance when needed. We'll coordinate with your CPA, estate planning attorney, insurance professional, whoever. Um, and, you know, that is a big myth. You know, they, we are not, the three of us, we're not all created equal. We're not all true financial planners. Um, you know, some of us are salespeople and some of us are planners. And there's no right or wrong. I think it's just confusing and a little bit of a myth for the the public and, and a little bit difficult for them to navigate that. So, um, that's something that we try to debunk uh, and have conversations about uh, every day. No, I think that's a great myth to dispel, but uh, and uh, a great uh, some great pieces of advice. So, well, now as uh, as we wrap towards the end of the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above. What's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way is to uh, head to our website, Mitlin, M-I-T-L-I-N, financial.com. Right from there, there's a contact us form. You can fill that out. It goes right into our email box and somebody will reach out and see how we can assist you. And, uh, you know, me personally, I can be found basically across most social media platforms uh, under Larry or Lawrence Sprung, and I'd be happy to connect and help in any way that I can. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to, to reach out, make a new connection, and if nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, uh, Larry, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners that are out there, if you can help us to share this expertise with even more startups and small businesses uh, by clicking share, subscribe, and leaving us a review, it helps us to uh, reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success. And on that note, if along your journey, you ever need help with patents or trademarks or anything else, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat. We're always here to help. Thank you again, Larry, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last.